if you're lucky enough to have the resources and the headspace and, and the talent around you to think just even medium term, just like what does next year look like? What seeds can we plant today that we can then reap the benefit of next year? Then you're putting yourself ahead of, of your competition. Hi, and thanks for joining Brand Buffs. I'm your host, Jen Harvey, and today we're joined by Todd Alkin and Tom Morrissey of Noble People, who just won gold from AdAge for the best small media agency of the year. Hey guys, well, thanks for coming on to uh, the Brand Buffs to talk to me. Um, we have Tom Alchin, the partner and CMO from Noble People, and Tom Morrissey, the chief growth officer from Noble People. Um, really exciting. They just won gold from the AdAge Best Small Media Agency of the Year. Uh, that was a mouthful. But yeah, you guys, congratulations. That's a, a huge accomplishment. We're super glad to have you on. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. Great. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to know, um, you know, you guys are the experts in, in media and media buying when it comes to the agency world. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on uh, where the opportunities are this year. There's a ton that's changed and you guys have seen it all. Um, before we get started on that, we have one question that we ask all of our guests at the beginning. Um, what does the word brand and what does branding mean to you? I'll, I'll go first. Um, and I imagine everybody you ask gives you a different answer to this. Uh, for me, it's always some version of a brand is um, a shortcut for people. It's a shortcut to all the promises the brand has made uh, to its current customers, to its future customers, all the, the sum of all, all its marketing, all its communication, all the experiences people have had with it in the past. Um, so you don't need to remake those promises every time that you show up. So for me, it's, it's a shortcut for people so they can make their decisions much faster than they, than they normally would. Yeah, I, I guess for me, uh, I'm not gonna be as eloquent as that. Um, a, brand, a brand matters to me when I actually feel a connection to it. Or, um, you know, I don't think about brands as a consumer very generally, but there's certain ones that um, I do feel fat passionate about um, whether it's you know a, a golf club that I buy and I attach to that brand. But when it meets brand status for me is when um, I feel a personal connection. Yeah, Tom, I think most consumers would probably agree with you there. Todd, I can hear the brand strategist inside of you coming out with that answer, <laughs> making I, the brand I, I, promise and, and creating that shortcut. That's really interesting. We've not had that answer before. So, oh, good. Okay. Uh, I also happen to believe it as well. <laughs> good, convenient. <laughs> um, great. So, yeah, let's get back to, you know, why you guys are here. Um, you know, again, you guys are no stranger to branding at Noble People. You won the gold from AdAge for the best small media agency of the year. Um, can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll kick off. I mean, it was very gratifying for us. We've won uh, five of the last six years for different uh, awards, but this one uh, was Media Agency of the Year, which gave some clarity to the market because these are awards that are usually given to creative agencies. 
and they created a new category this year for uh, media agency. And it's, it's gratifying because, um, you know, creative agencies are our partners. We love them. We love being part of the creative process. And when we win these awards, it's, it's always a, a result of a collaboration that we've done with uh, a creative agency partner. We were born 10 years ago out of uh, the, the media departments of Wyden and Kennedy and Crispin, which is where Todd comes from. Um, and we wanted to practice media and, and, and set up a business where you thought about media from a much more creative viewpoint. So I think, you know, the, the, the difference that we bring to uh, media buying is that we start very heavily in strategy. And I think, you know, if you can set the right strategy, everything else will fall into place. And that's where our passion lies, trying to take brands that are trying to transform, change a consumer behavior, or just looking for like growth that's way beyond incremental. And to do that, you have to take bigger swings. It usually involves finding new media spaces and, you know, a, a different kind of approach that will have the rigor of media, but also, you know, new creatively driven, uh, whether it's activations or positioning, you know, that's where it gets really exciting for us. And so we're glad to get the award, but it's really not a noble award. It's a noble and our partners award. Yeah. I mean, I think having that perspective of, you know, you guys have that experience in creative and you understand at a campaign level, what people are trying to do. And I think, uh, winning the five out of six years, um, speaks for itself. So Really I think you, you can't come from uh, some of these places like what you know widen is arguably the best creative agency that has you know that, that exists now and probably has um, when I was at Crispin they were awarded agency of the, the decade like you can't come from places like that and rub shoulders with the best creative minds in right. the industry and, and possibly the world and not change your approach and your thinking as it relates to to what you do so like right. as we often say, Working within the media agency, uh, the media department of, of Wyden or Crispin or whatever, like right. that's not what's making the phones ring is their media product. It's their, their creative product. But um, when you can be useful in that, um, in that process and bring something creatively minded from a media perspective to that conversation, then, then, that's, when you, then that's when you actually have value. And so when you, when you take all that and then you start an agency that is purely um, media but, but comes at it with a creative kind of lens, um, then, then that's when you get something kind of different from what the market offers now. Definitely. Definitely a competitive advantage for you guys. Really great stuff. Um, so this year, um, you know, it started much differently than, than how it's ending. Um, not only in the agency world, obviously in media buying, kind of everything's changed across the board. What are some of the main things you know, starting out in the year, what did you think you were going to be preparing for? What were you guys looking at compared to what you're doing now? How has it changed? Oh, boy. Um, so, I mean, we started the year, I think, like most people did, fairly optimistically about about things. And I think, you know, the, the, the business was was looking good. And, and uh, you know, what's kind of funny is we, uh, in February, we, we created a marketing asset, which we haven't a long history of doing, but we but we wanted to create a marketing asset, which was a, essentially a sizzle reel that was a compilation of a bunch of cool kind of media tactics that we had uh, that we had done over the years. And it sort of had this narrative about anything can be media. You know, it can be like in bills and in bars and on arms with like, you know, temporary tattoos and on tables and restaurants and after drinks and all those sorts of things. And it was a cool, you know, slick little video and, you know, it was, 
it was something that you know Tom would use in in his um, you know in his sort of new business kind of capacity, uh, and that was late February, and then pandemic hit. And I looked at that video again just before I was about to share it just internally with, with the agency, like, here's the thing we made. And almost everything in that video no longer made sense, was no longer accessible by people and didn't represent an opportunity for a brand to use media, you know, like it, like it existed in, in, in February. So it was like, oh, my God, the world of media has changed and it's a lot smaller than it's ever been. Uh, at least that was the feeling. And I think what actually has turned out to be true is the world of media actually is is larger than ever. Um, it's just changing and shifting and, and there have been all sorts of uh, launches and product innovations and, and changes in behaviour um, that's kind of filled that that gap. But it's certainly our view of media in February is different from our view of media in, uh, in August. And I think to, to add to that is, you know, we look at the world of media through our clients' needs, you know, and it, we, with our portfolio, it's just very interesting because all of them had COVID-impacted uh, situations, uh, most of them did, you know, Jamaica Tourism embargoed the island for two months, you know, we probably shouldn't be in the position of trying to convince people to fly to Jamaica when they can't enter the island. Um, on the other hand, we had Hallmark, who uh, was benefiting tremendously from the increase in TV. Then we have a, a fitness technology called Whoop, and they had a supply chain problem in China. So I think what, you know, we've, we've, we've learned through this and the way we've, uh, it's very different than the plans we have set out for these individual clients. Right. But on an individual basis, we've had to be very nimble and do scenario planning and make sure that they're empowered to make the changes as things unfold, you know, are we in a V-shaped recovery, a W-shaped recovery? What are the options? Have those on the table so they can pull the trigger when a scenario A, B, or C happens. And that's, I think, Ben, you know, I've been very pleased with the team and the way we've been able to help our, our clients adapt because it, these are, you know, not easy conversations. Yeah, I think that's, it's really interesting. Like you say, you know, you have to be ready for different, scenarios and and Todd like you were saying it felt like at moments in February or March where things were at a standstill and things were small and and where does the spend go and what's happening but I think the world of media never stopped it just kept going and this is what you guys were seeing and I think you know probably a lot of new things started coming out around that time um do you guys want to talk about you know, around that February, March, April, you know, what did you guys start seeing? What was new? Yeah, well, I think initially it felt like everything was kind of shutting down, you know, and, yeah. and, and part of the agency's function, you know, if you were a media buyer would be like trying to get out of contracts that, you know, didn't make sense right. like if you're out of home advertiser or something. Um, but then in the media space, there were a bunch of launches that we've seen, you know, during during the, the lockdown. Um, and these were probably things that were going to happen anyway, unless, you know, uh, I must admit. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of streaming services and we already had some launches before then. There was like HBO Max and, um, you know, Disney Plus, you know, had launched. But then, you know, during this this period, we've had Peacock, which is essentially NBC's sort of back catalogue library of things, as well as content that they've outbidded Netflix for. So they, they bid, I think, $500 million to acquire the rights for The Office. Now, the reason that that's important is because, show that's on Netflix is very hard for an advertiser to attach themselves to because it's, it's this non-advertising kind of um, walled garden. Um, but something like Peacock um, having the office means that you can align with a brand or with a property like that if you, you know, if you write a big enough check and, and, and think creatively about it. 
So we've had like streaming things like Peacock, um, Quibi you might have heard of, which is short for Quick Bytes, which is the short form um, video streaming app that sort of came from basically Hollywood execs um, and their, their idea of what, um, what the kids want today in streaming. It, it hasn't gotten off to the best start and the, and the prognosis isn't, isn't awesome. Um, but it is a, an attempt at a differentiated offering within what's becoming a very crowded um, streaming market. And then beyond the bigger launches, you have product innovations among things that already exist. So, for example, Twitter have been trialing audio tweets. So this is a, it's exactly what you think it is, right? So it's it's 140 seconds. Um, it's a bit of a you know a tie to their the history of 140 characters, and uh, it's an audio tweet. So Cardi B has played around with it. John Legend has played played around with it. Uh, Jimmy Fallon has used it sort of to promote the guests coming up on, on his show that night, sort of thing. So it's still in you know sort of in a trial sort of phase, but it's it's an innovation. Can we get to start trying this stuff. What if, uh, what if we're not Jimmy Fallon? Can we <laughs> try it? <laughs> pretty, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it's just around the corner. Um, and then Pandora, like the, to use another audio example, Pandora have introduced, um, or actually also trialing, um, interactive voice ads. So the ad will talk to you. It will say, "Do you want to hear more?" You say yes or no, and then it takes you down a different path. Um, and these are currently in trial with like Nestle, Doritos, Unilever, mm -hmm. all, all the cast of characters who um, you know you would often imagine would, would get first dibs at this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and 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 once there's been enough of that to build up some benchmarks around the response rates to these sorts of formats, then it gets released more broadly to to the rest of the advertising market. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then of course there's Reels, which is Instagram's uh, version of TikTok. Um, Instagram a pretty um, known for taking something else and then and then adding that feature to their to their platform. The advantage they have, of course, is the the automatically built-in audience, the, the enormous audience mm -hmm. that they have. Um, so whilst Reels isn't as good as TikTok, it does have an advantage in terms of in terms of scale. So it's been all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, man, never never a dull moment, huh? <laughs> Always waiting to spend money. It's been interesting to see, you know, the social evolve so fast uh, and. And typically, so the social space does evolve, uh, evolve more quickly, but that's a function of the, the, their the behaviors are, ch are changing and forcing them to change quickly. So that space is moving at lightning speed with, you know, Triller emerging, TikTok on the ropes with uh, potentially being banned. There's and, and people using those platforms for different uh, functions than they have in, in, in the past. It's, it's, a, it's, it's fascinating, I think. That is a space to, to really watch, and, and as a marketer, I mean, to be nimble and be in an eye out for opportunities for branding in those, you know, new iterations. Definitely. I think the new channels is always super interesting. Um, how have you guys seen, obviously, you know, on the brand side, as well as media, you know, people have had to adapt as well. So not just about all of the new stuff coming out to, you know, kind of evaluate if it fits with your brand, but you know, for the brands and media itself, how have you seen that people have adapted, you know, not just from a channel perspective, but how are they, how are they moving forward? Yeah, I think there are examples on any front that you, you know, that you choose to sort of view it, um, where, you know, whether it's how um, advertising is produced, for example. Um, so, you know, for a period of time, there was no new production. And so brands were relying on either sort of like, 
interesting ways to, you know, get the CEO to sort of like film, shoot himself doing, you know, doing an ad sort of thing. We've seen a number of versions of those to using archival footage to create um, something, something new. I think the best and most notable version of that is, is Nike's um, You Can't Stop Us ad, which is probably, um, the, you know, it's a feat of craftsmanship in terms of editing, but it's all, it's all sports footage that, that previously existed. So you've got like how ads are made. You've got how brands speak and how that tone of voice and the kinds of things that they have been saying has changed through the length of the pandemic. So initially it was kind of um, we're all in this together, everyone's hurting, you know, like it, it was very reassuring and calm. And then after a period of time, people get fatigued by that and want to be entertained again. And then like brands have now been able to um, evolve their messaging to, you know, to, right. to be a bit more entertainer than just the, the reassuring kind of right voice. yeah you know when are things gonna start picking up again and when can the tone change to be a bit more positive I, I know that was a big waiting period it felt like yeah. a really long time we've actually well, seen uh, recently you know, there's been a couple campaigns that come out with some some things making light of it pandemic breakup was one uh, yeah, Bumble and Babe Wine did a thing together for, for people who break up during their quarantine um, and, and, you know, they, they get a subscription to Bumble, uh, to, to Bumble and they get some, some wine to, to drown their sorrows and, and ease their own sort of thing. But I think it's interesting is that people's habits are just becoming less predictable, you know, and they're looking at and, and consuming media in different ways and at different times. So you've got this time shift, but also that's combined with the delivery shift and that's the challenging, but also the fun part of it. You know, it's uh, it's it continues to evolve. It hasn't stopped evolving since you know February time period. Yeah, and then you know there are other brands who um, have really leaned into it, right? So those, so I think the brands who have strong values and kind of know who they are don't struggle as much to figure out what to do in a situation like this. So you take Walmart for example, a very family oriented brand and, and, and mass brand sort of thing. Um, they essentially adapted to, I guess, every everybody's stolen summer um, in a number of ways, right? So they they launched a thing called Summer Camp, which is a way of entertaining the kids and sort of doing a virtual summer camp um, through, through through the summer online. They they had like Neil Patrick Harris being one of the camp counselors, and it's it's very interactive and it changes every day, you know. And that's that is not what Walmart sells, but it's what Walmart the Walmart brand, I guess, is trying to trying to sell. Um, they also turned their parking lots into drive-in movie theaters. So they had like summer screenings of these classic family films um, as a way of using real estate that they already have. Which it's is not really, been you know, it's really impressive to see, you know, the, the size of Walmart, you know, be able to turn on a dime and pull this stuff off. I mean, it's, it's really pretty impressive. They couldn't have been sitting around too long. <laughs> no, no. And, and of course, you know, it does seem a little out of character for the for a large brand to be able to to do that, you know. Like we we look after a very small startup called Elephant in a Box, and the elephant is actually a couch. So if you if you're familiar with you know Casper mattresses and all those competitors, yeah, this is the couch version of that. So this couch comes out of a box, and the way it's built, it sort of expands, and then it's kind of a, a solid thing. It uses some sort of honeycomb kind of kind of engineering. Um, and you know they're a startup. They're they're launching and they're they're made for like New Yorkers in small apartments who can't lug a sofa up, you know, a walk up. Um, 
they were able to, uh, they, they took one of our suggestions, which was, why don't you make a socially distanced version of the couch? So it's like you can sit on either end and you're still six feet apart and appeal to the gaming community who are, you know, like, I think as we said at the time, this is like, if you're a sofa, this is your Super Bowl. This is like the best time to be a sofa. Yeah. So uh, we developed and launched uh, a six feet wide couch that we then worked with um, uh, some gaming influencers, um, uh, this one house called Down to Quest. And essentially they were tasked with constructing this couch, taking it out of the box and constructing it completely blindfolded and doing that over live Twitch uh, stream. So like you talk about being nimble, like changing yeah. your product in a matter of weeks and, and then launching it is, it doesn't get better than that. Tom and Todd, in the media world, uh, what have you seen adapt to the changes in 2020? I know um, you had mentioned, you know, some changes in in-store. What are you seeing? Yeah, there have been, been some really interesting developments. So um, of all the category, product categories that have suffered as a result of the, you know, the recession, uh, grocery shopping is not one of them. In fact, it's kind of experienced, as you can probably yeah. relate to firsthand, it's experienced quite a, you know, um, a peak in demand, especially early on. Um, so uh, Kroger, for example, have introduced um, essentially what is programmatic in-store audio media, um, which means that you can then target uh, shoppers based on the store they're in, you know, wh where they are in the country, the time of day, if there are other local events happening and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's taking, I think a lot of what we've seen in the media space has been an acceleration of innovation or media behaviors that were going to happen, but they're just kind of happening a lot sooner because of this, these constraints that have happened. Um, another example would be some e-com, you know, shopping applications are accelerating their, their use of AR to, I guess, bridge the gap between, you know, the, the, the online experience and the real world. So Coles has a virtual try-on application, which you access through Snap or Snapchat. Um, so you, you you go through that portal, they've got, it's, it's, it works like a filter, and then you can just try on different clothes onto your body without ha actually having to do very much. So um, that, that feels like a very nimble kind of way of, of adjusting to the fact that people aren't walking into stores at the moment and, and trying on clothes. Definitely. I mean, retail, anything in person took such a hit and probably what was some, you know, kind of sidebar newfangled idea of some AR application that was kind of abstract, I'm sure became front and center pretty quickly. So it, it probably got a lot more internal support than it had. You know, <laughs> yeah, before that. yeah, exactly. And then even in the B2B space, right? So if you think about right. business to business marketing, it's it's very hand to hand, you know, it's, it's meetings, it's flying around the country and it's conferences. And I think, you know, we've been to a few conferences in this, in this, um, in the last few months and, some of them are done better than others. And I think one of the better examples and is, and is probably a, a window into the future is how the uh, can, can Lions um, mm -hmm. uh, managed to put on their, their conferences. So it wasn't in Southern France anymore. It was, it was all online, but it felt a lot more like ESPN than it felt like mm -hmm. a bunch of and all that kind of stuff. There was a studio. It felt there was a host. The, the, the content was very well produced and it just felt familiar and professional and not as much of a step down from the, I mean, it was a massive step down from being on a yacht, of course, right. but it was not, it, it, it didn't go, it didn't start from Zoom and go up. It started from TV show and went down essentially. And I think that's, that is the future of conferences, at least those 
conference organizers who have the funding to, you know, to, to make that happen. Yeah, I think the conference space is, has been overdue for a disruption. Um, you know, streaming is always kind of like the plug on, like you can't go, you can pay 150 bucks and you can stream it. And it, and it's just, you know, static images of people on a stage tell, uh, giving speeches. And now it's, um, you know, it's, it's once we get out of this and people start going and feel confident going to places, it's one thing. But I think the conference space could borrow from a lot of different other industries. EDM is doing some really interesting work. If you look at the, the there's a, uh, I saw something recently in the UK where for a concert, for live concerts, they have people in these boxes that are literally these risers that are six feet from each other and they seat like six oh, I and I, I just feel like you know, those kinds of experiences, whatever that looks like in the conference business, if somebody does it right, um, could be a much more compelling offering. And and I think that has to happen. So the, the, the ratio of digital versus experiential is going to change dramatically. But I think there might be an opportunity to make both a lot better. Yeah, I think that's great. A, a great way to look at it. You know, I mean, I think the bar really needs to be raised and, you know, you, you gotta, you know, have the production. You can't just be a publisher as a brand anymore. Or, you know, you really have to, to pull it off. I really wish I saw that program. Um, but next year, yeah, maybe next year we'll still be in this situation. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> but yeah. I, I, I would, I would be interested in seeing that for sure. That's super interesting. It, it does underscore, I think something that we've often said to our, B2B clients, which is that, um, you know, good B2B marketing kind of looks like good consumer marketing. Mm -hmm. um, it, it sometimes feels like it's the poor cousin uh, to consumer marketing, but mm -hmm. but I think that's just a benchmark that is easy to, you know, that's a bar that's easy to, uh, mm -hmm. you know, to get over and, and, and it should be just as entertaining and just as satisfying and well-produced and, and interesting um, as consumer marketing because we're still, we're still marketing to humans. I totally agree with that. <laughs> you're, you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> um, just to kind of tag on to the end of that, how are you guys seeing that media behaviors are changing? Well, I, I, I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I mean, we're tracking audience and CPMs because we're a media shop and just to see where the, where the fluctuations are and what – you know, in the very beginning, people wanted to watch a lot of news because they couldn't believe what was happening. And then the commercials started, you know, you know, the, the somber piano and we're in this with you. And I just, you know, I saw, I turned the TV off and there was nothing new and the production value was so bad. And then we, you know, we kind of got into escapism. Um, and I think people started streaming and, you know, it's interesting to me this year is, you know, Netflix, this is, going to be their best year ever and they're still not going to be profitable um you know i think what's going to happen is, is any streaming service that doesn't accept advertising is going to have to it's the only thing that they can change in their business model to make it um and i think this upfront is going to change uh that dynamic tremendously i think this upfront which has been the most disrupted part of the industry in terms of process is going to be a game changer in terms of the timing, uh, certainly, but also in terms of what advertisers are going to commit to on linear and and in streaming. So I forgot what the question was, but there's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff coming out of this from consumer behavior that's going to drive the business behavior. Um, I've talked to clients and prospective clients who are being shoehorned into the upfront, and 
Um, I'm not necessarily, you know, advocating that. I think, you know, you may have to stake some ground, but, you know, being flexible and being able to, to spin on a dime in November, because we don't know what's going to happen in January, is the order of the day. And it's it's more expensive to do that, and it takes more man hours, but I think, you know, you, you really need a nimble partner right now to, to kind of help you guide the way because nobody has the ultimate crystal ball. I, th- I think um, almost overnight we saw a change in media behavior and all, like, like obvious changes, you know, um, more streaming, more gaming, uh, more social media, more cable news because news was everything. Everything was news. Um, and then if you're, you know, if you're working in the out of home industry like that, the bottom fell out of that pretty quickly, although that has now rebounded. Um, experiential marketing obviously took a hit and, and had to sort of be redefined. Um, media essentially is influenced by the point in time that it's consumed, right? So again, why Quibi probably has struggled to come out of the gate is that was essentially made for commuters. You know, a seven minute episode of something is easy to digest on the way, you know, on the subway. Um, it's less appealing to watch something on your phone for seven minutes at home when you've got the TV in front of you and you can stream stream Netflix. So um, a lot of behavior around consum- consuming, you know, entertainment um, and news. Um, and then there are some interesting things too, like magazines and newspapers, as we know, have been struggling and have been on a downward path, you know, for a number of years. The subscriptions of those things have actually, you know, bounced back a little, maybe 10% more than, than it was. So there's a bit of a silver lining there if you're in the publishing game. Um, but really, I think the pandemic has just accelerated things that things that were already under pressure are going to break and things that were probably going to happen a few years from now have probably happened a little sooner. Um, so it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag in, in terms of, you know, behaviours. But um, I think also it's not necessarily whether or not a media channel has the largest audience and that's where you should put your money. If it has enough audience and it's, and it's priced in a way that makes sense for an advertiser, then it's a good idea. I mean, there have been some interesting examples of brands using um, outdoor media billboards and, and, and bus stops in, in March and April when no one was on the street and, and they specifically made a point about, about launching a brand when no one can see it and it's funny. And, and one of the things we believe is like media can create other media and I think this was the objective of that, right? So you do a campaign that no one's going to see, that turns into a story that many people do see when they read it online. Um, so there are always opportunities even in, in, in media channels that seem to be declining or seem to be just a little off the boil for a period of time and if you can think about it creatively and, and if it's priced in a way that is you know palatable uh for you and for your for your advertiser then then go for it yeah i really like that and i think you know yeah the way and, and what people are consuming is has changed so much and you know at what point are they fatigued and they would rather read about a media campaign that they never saw the <laughs> campaign so um, really, really interesting stuff. I mean, you guys have seen so much. Um, I've got one final question for you guys. So, you know, out of everything you've seen change this year, you know, kind of what's coming, what are big brands doing right now? Um, you know, what's your advice for everyone listening just as far as, you know, w- what you guys see as the biggest opportunity? So why don't you take a stab? I have a couple of thoughts for you go about Sure. I think about this less in terms of 
which media channels provide an opportunity to do something. Because I think, generally speaking, any media channel can be thought of in a creative way and you can, you can do something with it that hasn't been done um, or, you can, or you can show up there and do something kind of interesting. I think the opportunity moving forward is for those brands who are lucky enough to have some sort of buffer to think beyond the hand-to-mouth way that they're, they're, that they're thinking right now. So quite understandably, a lot of brands are just trying to keep the lights on, right? So, and, and, and that means more short-term thinking, more lower funnel, parenthetically, lower funnel uh, media tactics. So that's kind of more promotion-based, price-based, digital display kind of advertising, if you will, a lot of search marketing. All those things are very important for, for people who might buy a thing today. If you're lucky enough to have the resources and the headspace and, and the talent around you to think just even medium term, just like what does next year look like? What seeds can we plant today that we can then reap the benefit of next year? Then you're putting yourself ahead of, of your competition. Um, you know, it's been said that like the long-term results are not merely short-term results stacked upon each other. In fact, short-term results kind of expire over that period of time. But, but long-term results also have a short-term effect. There is some short-term effect of doing a brand campaign that you may not realize the full benefit of until six months after the thing has, has finished, but there is some, also some immediate effect. So if you can make space for the medium term, uh, and however that manifests, and it's going to be different based on your product category and, and your media budget and, and your creative aspirations and all those sorts of things, um, you can be in a far better position you know, 12 months from now than, than merely just, just getting by. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like the CEOs of America are going to their CMO offices right now saying, you know, enough sheltering in place with our, our, with our budgets, do something. And whether it's short-term or long-term, and I think that short-term pressure is going to be ungodly and, and it's going to be very difficult to resist going to very obvious channels like performance media. But to Todd's point, you know, if you can aim further out and behave for that further out, time point um you just be that much better off and 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 hopefully people can can you know stick to their guns and do that i agree i think you need to have something to talk about you know you need to put a little bit more thought and i think people are looking at branding more than ever you know um especially now there's you know a little bit of like the microscope on you as a company and and what you're doing. And I think, yeah, doing things that you believe in in the medium term, not just these short term kind of quick wins. I think, yeah, that's what people need right now too. I think. Uh, Absolutely. I, mean, I think that Walmart example is a, is a great example of that. Yeah. You know, it's, that's not about foot traffic or, or selling yeah. anything other than it's, it's uh, reinforcing that brand promise. Yeah. So guys, thanks so much. Is there anything else you want to add that you haven't gotten a chance to address yet? Final thoughts. Oh, if we get going, I don't think we'll ever stop. <laughs> Thank you for having us, Jennifer. I really appreciate yeah, it. No, this has been great, um, you know, to get your insight and everything's, you know, changing so quickly. I think it's it's really, really interesting. So thanks for coming on. Um, yeah, come back again next year. <laughs> Thank you. It was real pleasure. All right. Thanks so much, guys. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast app or visit frontify.com forward slash podcast.